This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The following content is not suitable for children. Four reasons why anxiety squashes the lovemaking. <laughs> George, I love it that you say things so funny with different voices and stuff. Yes, let's talk about why we should stop using our anxiety to drive sex because it kills it. Let's talk about it. Wah, wah. Welcome to Foreplay Sex Therapy. I'm Dr. Lori Watson, your sex therapist. And I'm George Fowler, your couples therapist. We are here to talk about sex. Our mission is to help couples talk about sex in ways that incorporate their body, their mind, and their hearts. And we have a little bit of fun doing it, right, G? Listen, and let's change some relationships. So excited. Lori, another in-person training, Philadelphia, unleashing... Oh. The Power of Sex and EFT for Therapists, October 4th and October 5th. This is one of our favorite trainings to do. It's such a need out there to empower therapists to keep their focus better in session and know how to help couples facilitate these bonding conversations through sex. Most of us don't grow up in families talking about this stuff. So get some of the tools that you need, have some fun, engage with other therapists. It's great to be back in person. Oh, yes. It is so great to be in person. We had so much fun in our last in-person training. I mean, people actually laugh at our jokes. And you know, I got to say, some of what we're doing, I think it's pretty cutting edge. We're, we're working on stage one and stage two. For those of you who are therapists in EFT, you'll get what we're talking about. But even if you're not an EFT therapist, there's a lot here that you can learn about how to talk with couples about sex and how to become more expert at it. And if you're a listener and you do have a therapist and your therapist doesn't know about EFT, tell them, you know what, I think you should check this training out. <laughs> I guarantee they're gonna, they'll are gonna they come out of that training with some new tools, which is, that's what we're in the business of, right? Creating change with new tools. Yes. So come join us in October in Philadelphia. All right. Anxiety. I don't think anybody wants to bring anxiety into the bedroom. Anxiety is a natural byproduct right of a threat and your body's mobilizing and it wants to get a response so yeah. it's to yeah. trying to do the right thing but it, it, it has some some serious impact yeah. i think and that's what we want to talk about so you know when i was thinking about this george i was thinking about how sexual pursuers their anxiety often is driving the sex life that it's not necessarily their desire, although they have plenty of that and they want their partners. There's so many good things in sexual pursuers that mm -hmm. motivate the relationship to be more sexual. But I also think sometimes anxiety is driving it, and we got to help them figure that out after the break 
of how not to let this happen. But, you know, if I'm anxious about not getting enough sex or not having time with my partner to be sexual or something, and I start to stew on that and think about that, then what I'm sending, the message to my partner, isn't very beckoning. It isn't inviting. It isn't, an, you know, come to me and a seductive message. It's really an impersonal message. It's like, hey, I need sex. You know, mm-hmm. not I want you. I want to be with you. I want to make love to you. It's a different, it gets across a different message. And I think that that's the anxiety gets in the way of actually getting what I would want as a sexual pursuer. Right. I'm sure we're going to get a lot of messages from sexual pursuers. So I just want to start off naming the mission. We're just trying to make clearer the impact, right? The intent of anxiety is always good. You've been hurt. You've been rejected. Your body is trying to get a response. It's trying to do something beautiful, right? But you got to also be aware of the impact, what it does to you, what it does to your partner, what it does to the relationship. So that's really what we're focusing on in this Mm -hmm. session. You know, and I think that first point is it often comes across, Laurie, right? It's selfish, the anxiety. It yes. becomes all about me and I need sex and I want an orgasm. And my partner often feels that. Like it, it doesn't feel like, you know, I want her, right? It's about what I want, my need. And it, it often kind of comes across as selfish. Yeah, it's not something that is a union. It's not about us. You know, it it is exactly. And that's what I hear from people who are sexual withdrawers, which again, sometimes the sexual withdrawer is not a person who doesn't like sex, but is responding to this pressure dynamic with their partner. They're pulling back because they feel this impersonal message or they feel the selfishness from their partner. And it's like, you don't, you know, you're not wanting to give to me. You're not wanting to be with me. That's what they're thinking in their head. So they're pulling back. Well, and just to name that, I mean, that's what anxiety does. It turns our brain yellow. It becomes all about us. We're dealing with our own need and a threat to that need. Mm-hmm. We're not great partners when our brain is yellow. We're not empathetic. Mm-hmm. We don't mm-hmm. take on different perspectives. We get tunnel vision. That is the whole damn point of anxiety, right? Mm-hmm. So again, just to recognize you have good reasons for it. There's a threat, mm-hmm. but the impact is it becomes all about you and your world. That's yeah. what anxiety is doing. Yeah. You know, and Every time you say that, George, it's like my heart feels a little softer when you say, you know, anxiety turns your brain yellow and we don't think as well when we're in yellow brain and we don't have access to all the more generous parts of ourselves. And it's like, that's right. Some of it is just that escalation. We're not our optimal selves. We're not the person we even want to be. So, yeah. And people got to recognize this is not a choice. Right. That's how important connection is that when we get rejected, our brain codes that as a threat. It's like yeah. life and death. Yes. It's like being chased by a lion when your partner rejects you. Like it, it's not like we've, we developed this, you know, primitive response to a fear. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's, we get tunnel vision. And I think the more people recognize that it just gets easy to repair afterwards to say, I'm saying, I'm sorry. I did it again. We all do this. It's not about shaming people for their anxiety. It's about empowering them to know they can't be the partner they want to be when their brain is in this state. Yeah, and if the threat is, look at I've promised myself to you only, and it's kind of a drought, you know, or starvation, and there, you know, or there's just not enough to make me feel comfortable. 
yeah, my body's in threat, my mind's in threat, and I got to solve this problem. And yeah. then I start, I think what happens in the sexual pursuer when it changes from seduction to anxiety is they almost start to obsess about it. You know, like, well, overthink, you know, yep. they overthink it. Yeah. And certainly I can do that. You know, overthinking is my tendency <laughs> about everything. <laughs> but yeah. And I, okay. So I, that's. So you're overthinking now about what to say next to us. <laughs> I'm overthinking, what was that look that George just gave me? What did that mean? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay, point two. Anxiety creates an, an atmosphere. It's not relaxed. It's not conducive to pleasure. Mm. It's a big one, right? It, it puts pressure on the other person. We know mm -hmm. pressure is not a great turn on, mm -hmm. right? The pressure is going to just be like a wet blanket, you know, just mm -hmm. suffocating what's happening and... Certainly, that's the impact, right? It starts the negative cycle into motion. That anxiety tells the other person, uh-oh, if you don't do something, you're going to hurt me. And it gets the other person to try to perform instead of just being engaged. Yeah, and I think for female sexual pursuers, if you're creating pressure, right? I mean, men don't respond very well physiologically to pressure. They you know, that they might not get an erection and that's going to kill everything like for him. I mean, I don't, I don't think that necessarily not getting an erection technically kills the sexual moment, but I think it does in his brain. Mm. You know, I talked to a guy and you've helped me so much here, George. Like I really, really think more than anything now I, I assess for this, but you know, he wasn't, he had occasional ED. He was healthy. He was, it was normal. He just, he got in his brain about it. He couldn't get out of it. And I said, okay, if I gave you a pill that no matter what, you know, every time you want an erection, you would get one. How often would you think about sex? He's like, well, all the time. You know, but in his mm -hmm. world, he wasn't thinking about it all the time because he was so hung up about this. And so she would approach, loved him, loved sex with him, thought he was attractive and and really was not uptight about the occasional ED, but for him and his brain, forget it. So I think as a female sexual pursuer, if, you know, that pressure says to the guy, you got to perform for me, oof, it's a killer. Yeah. And it's a killer for a lot of women too, right? So the number yes. one description of why they might have low desire is that just pressure to kind of perform. And then not in a mood, it puts them in a terrible bind. But it, it's this anxiety is the start of this process, mm -hmm. right? If it creates pressure, that pressure is counterproductive towards, you know, a great sex mm -hmm. life. And I think, you know, sometimes the anxiety says, I want something more intense. And women think, okay, you want me to perform like what you see in porn or you know, what your last girlfriend did when she, you know, could turn 360 degrees when she had an orgasm or whatever. You know, it's like, yeah, that's... That sounds pretty good, actually. <laughs> 360, damn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stop. Well, that's why laughter is trying to ease anxiety. Yeah. But this third one, again, all of these reasons are, are, are so important. The third one is anxiety kills presence. Mm-hmm. I think this is this is 
most people don't recognize that anxiety is actually anticipating what could happen. It's a future focus. As you're focusing on what could happen, what could go wrong, and you're trying to influence that, you're actually not present. You know, we know great love is a present. It's all about being engaged. And anxiety stops that engagement. I don't think most people recognize that, Lori. Right. And if you don't recognize it, you can see why so many couples are sleepwalking through their relationship. They're going through the motions, right? It's like driving a car or doing something that your body is so used to doing it that you're not really present with it. And how sad that in this moment of deep intimacy, people wind up not being present with each other. Yeah, you can't, you can't feel anything if you're not present in your body. If you're worried or if you're thinking about the laundry list of things you got to do or, you know, or if you're thinking like, I'm not going to make my partner happy this time anyway. I mean, whatever those thoughts are, the anxious thoughts or, yeah, we're going to have sex tonight, but it might be the last time for two weeks. Mm -hmm. Any kind of thinking about the future or what might happen or even the past, you know. I wonder if it's going to turn out the same way it did last time. My partner got mad at me. We're, we're just, we can't be in our bodies. And so if we're not in our bodies, making love is, um, you know, we can't feel anything. Mm-hmm. So again, let's just repeat that for our listeners. Anxiety kills presence. You know, I think every, every partner listen has to really kind of hold on to that. Because mm-hmm. it's if you don't think about it, it's just going to do. It's going to suck you into worrying about the future, and it's going to pull you right in this moment where you know presence is what's going to lead to all the good stuff we want in a relationship. Yeah, that's so true. And I think the other thing is is anxious sex. You know, if we are anxious and saying, you know, it's been two weeks, you haven't been with me, and then our partner does give in and have sex with us, it's a payback. It's against all that they owe us. It's like a drop in the bucket. I, mm. I sometimes think about when the ship starts to change and when our partner becomes more responsive, we can count it that way. We can get, well, finally, this is a drop in the bucket instead of rain on the field. You know, like this is the, the first raindrop that hits our field that has the crops waiting to grow, you know, we, we count it as mm. something that is going to be unfulfilling because we don't count it as a gift. We count right. it as what they owe us. It's payback. And how tragic is that, that you actually have sex and it's not a victory. It's not a bonding moment. Mm-hmm. It still leads to resentment. You're still thinking, yeah. oh, it was nice <laughs> once, but you know, we're not going to have it again, or it's been two months. So whatever it is, right. it, it doesn't relieve. It doesn't build, add anything to the bank, right? It's just you're still in that yes. place of, of deprivation. It doesn't and, add anything to the know, bank. Exactly. exactly. That's going to be super discouraging for both people, right? The sexual withdrawal finally has sex and it doesn't move the needle at all. They're like, what the hell's the point? And that pursuer is left even resentful after the orgasm. I mean, how, mm-hmm. how crappy is that for both people? Well, let's, let's talk about, Lori, when we come back, what we can do with these four. Oh, my God, yes. Oh, my God, yes. OMG, yes. <laughs> OMG. Sure for that, oh, my God, baby. Oh, my God, is for women, men, and couples. It's a website that shows the largest research study 
on women's pleasure and the findings that they have done. And basically, they asked tens of thousands of women what made pleasure better for them. You know, how they got to orgasm. It's very cool. And they found patterns. And then they organized all this onto ohmygodyes.com, which is they show basically super honest videos, animations, and how-tos. And so this is like how to touch a woman. And I have sent people here when they need help for how to touch themselves and how to touch their partner. We're big fans of research, and this, this website is, is totally supported by the best research out there. Many of us think things like, you know, I've already got the techniques that work for me, and I'm good. But finding out what works for other people, it may help you, and it may help you find new things that you didn't even know you liked or that your partner liked. There's always more to explore. These are explicit videos, but I have sent lots and lots of clients to it. I think that it's artfully done. It's just vulnerable. It's beautiful. Go to omgyes.com slash foreplay for a special discount. That's O-M-G-Y-E-S dot com slash foreplay. Cozy Earth is so cozy, George. And we're going into fall. I'm so excited. I'm going to like buy more sheets. My kids are coming to visit. And so I'm so excited. Every bed gets cozy earth sheets in my house. When you and Kathy come, you're going to have to sleep on cozy earth. I'm just telling you, because it is the most luxurious, like oh, soft sheets, sexy sheets. It just makes you want to take your clothes off. I'm telling you, cozy earth. It was featured on Oprah. Five cozy things. No, five favorite things. It's responsibly sourced from bamboo. It comes with a 10-year warranty. And cozy earth bedding is temperature regulating, which is important if you're like a person who likes warmth and then the other person likes cool sheets like my husband. I'm telling you, it is the softest sheet ever. Good news. Cozy Earth provided an exclusive offer to our listeners today. Get up to 35% off site-wide when you use the code FOREPLAY. So go to CozyEarth.com and use that foreplay code. Uber Lube. It's a luxury lubricant. Can you say that three times fast? Uber Lube Luxury Lubricant. You know, basically, it's pure silicone bliss. It is made from superior ingredients. It has skin-soothing vitamin E, and it goes on just like natural moisture, and it lasts a long time. There's no drip their glass bottles are truly beautiful. You can leave them on your bedstand. I do. No problem. Nobody notices. And it's basically like this thin, slippery silicone formulation. It reduces friction, which is great, but it doesn't reduce sensation. And it stays slippery long enough for lasting pleasure. They have travel-friendly toughened glass bottles. You can slip it in your gym bag. You can slip it in your purse. You can be ready whenever. Try UberLube, the silicone lubricant, at uberlube.com. Use the code FOREPLAY for 10% off. Really, it is the best lubricant on the market. Okay, so we know that if anxiety drives sex, we're going to send our partner an impersonal message. It's not going to be pleasurable. We're not going to be present. And it's going to be like payback sex where we don't really count it as lovemaking that enhances our commitment and our bond and our future. So how do we help people who feel that anxiety, who have been rejected a million times, who start to have a mindset of scarcity, 
-hmm. and their brain is overthinking and overworking and they are so anxious. What, how can we help them so that they can relax? Because I got to tell you, if we tell them, we'll just stop asking. Yeah, that's You not. know, they're going to say, okay, I'm going to stop asking. And you know what's going to happen? We're not going to have sex. Yeah. Well, I think the first thing is honoring the anxiety, right? When mm -hmm. you recognize the anxiety is their hope that things are going to change. That anxiety is their control, their power, their influence. It's still their fight to kind of to make things different, which is beautiful. It's trying to do a good job. It's trying to deal with the threat. So I think, but being able to name it yourself is probably the most important step, right? Notice in your own anxiety. When you notice it and you name it, you then have a choice of what you want to do with it. Most people don't know they're anxious and don't recognize the anxiety is doing all these things. So that first is to just name it. Like, where do you feel that anxiety? Do you feel your head racing? Do you feel your shoulders constrict? Do you feel a pressure on your chest? Is it throughout your body and mm -hmm. your hands? Like being able to kind of name and feel where it is present starts to give us a choice over it. So just becoming aware of that anxiety in the body and accessing it and feeling it, giving it, is it a shape? Do I feel like I'm crying? Do I have words for this? What is this anxiety meaning to me and saying to me? And just, you know, kind of exploring all the tendrils of, you know, what the anxiety is like inside. I, I think that's brilliant. You know, so what would somebody say, George, if, if you were an anxious pursuer? I'm sure that's never happened. Yeah. What would you, what would it, what does it feel like inside your body? And what do you say inside your mind? And can you just role play that for us? Yeah, I, I think that racing, I can feel my brain. So I, I tend to feel it in my head as I'm running through scenarios. Like, and that's not the right time. It's probably not. And, you know, and, and if it's not Wednesday night, and then like when I'm overworking and I'm overthinking and mm -hmm. I can feel that pressure in my head, mm -hmm. you know, that's saying, well, wait a second. I know I'm doing this because this is so important. Mm -hmm. Right. And, being able to name it starts to then go to that. I think the second part of this is, is trying to, if you notice the fear and you name it, you could try to offer some reassurance. So you yes. could try to take a breath. You could try to do something to let it go, to say, thank you. You know, you're, you're trying to help me, but I don't need that right now because I want to get into that present state. And that's why breathing is so helpful mm -hmm. to be able to say, thank you, raising thoughts, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to figure this out tonight, but the best thing I can do is just to get back into my body. And when I take that deep breath, you know, I can feel my body start to settle down. I can feel my, my brain start to settle down. I can feel myself on the bed. I can feel myself starting to come back to that present moment. Mm -hmm. I, I like the way you said that. You thanked the racing thoughts, almost like the racing thoughts are a part of you, uh, you know, a persona. They're, it's trying to help you. It's defending you. You know, it's looking out for your best interest. It's like, where is the snake on the path? Where's the problem? Yeah. I mean, it's this is a protective part that is saying, how can I find the opportunity to get my hunger met, my needs met? And so you're kind of saying, I, I know what you're trying to do to yourself, this part of yourself. I, I get it. You have a good reason here. But I, I don't really need that right now. <laughs> right. I need to be present. I need to take a breath. I need to be in my body. This isn't going to, you know, you don't serve me quite as well anymore. 
So thank you for your efforts, but go be at peace. And I'm going to take a deep breath right now. So what's so tragic is so many people get really hard on themselves, shame themselves, judge, pathologize their anxiety. And that doesn't reduce anxiety, right? That just increases the threat levels. Now, not only did you get rejected, now you suck on top of it. And, you know, that's a breeding ground for anxiety. So trying to just think about it as a relief valve. The threat is saying, I'm being rejected. I'm being hurt. You got to tell yourself you're safe. That's why the reassurance is so important. I, I actually look at that part of myself as a soldier, I visualize the soldier hmm. that's just as trying to protect me. It's like you said, it's going into the jungle. It's looking for threats. It's looking all over the place. Yeah. And I say to that soldier, like, hey, thanks, pal. I, I know you're trying to protect me. Just stand out right now. I might need you in five minutes, you know, just, but just take a break, sit to the side, right? Because I, I want to see, you know, maybe this jungle is not only a threat, but maybe it might be something beautiful. This might be, you know, the Garden of Eden here that I might want to relax it. So yeah. that ability to to literally say stand down, mm-hmm. that's why the breath is also so important. Like when you exhale, to just let that stress out, say, let it out, let it be, let it go. All these mantras of just trying to discharge that anxiety. But you're so gentle with the soldier. You know, you're so kind rather than saying, you know, why am I always up so uptight? I know this ruins things. It's, instead of being critical over the anxious response, you're really quite kind to him, you know? I love him. Yeah, I love him. He's saved me many a times. He's a good he's, guy. He's, he's a good guy and he's doing his job. He's just doing his job too well. Is that such a bad thing? <laughs> he's too diligent or working too right, hard. Right, right, exactly. Right, and I know I'm going to need him again. So it's, it is about just that flexibility, getting a, a control of the anxiety instead of letting the anxiety, because we know anxiety is just too vigilant, right? It, it's got to be proactive to find a threat before it gets you. Mm-hmm. So you you got to look at 10 possible scenarios that are a threat. Maybe one is only the actual threat, mm-hmm. but now you responded to the other nine exactly like it was a threat. And that's the problem with anxiety. Yeah, so I think they call that to the second arrow. When we feel ashamed of our more primitive responses, that shame piece kills us. You know, it's hard enough to feel anxious, especially when we feel rejected and we're not feeling the co-regulation that sex brings, the the sense of connection, which regulates our anxiety. Yeah. But, you know, when we're not getting that and then we feel ashamed of being anxious about it, you know, we're just down in the dumps. It it's is terrible about thing. as bad as it gets. I mean, it's bad to be rejected. But when you start to go down the road of, I actually believe the re- I deserve the rejection mm-hmm. because, because I'm, I'm too so much. I'm right, so anxious. I'm, I'm so all those tapes start to play. That is about as bleak. I mean, it's when you pe- need people the most and no one's showing up for you there. Yep. So we got to show up and be gentle with ourselves and care about ourselves. Yeah. And sending that message. It's like, yeah, sex is important. It's We know it's important and it, it connects us. It serves our bond. It is pleasure and enjoyment and it is important. And maybe our partner can't see that or can't see that right now, but it's okay to, to want this. And good things happen when we're present again. When we could discharge some of that anxiety. Mm-hmm. We can get ourselves back into our body. Right? We can just let nature do its thing. 
right? It's supposed to respond when we're in a loving space with our partner. Mm -hmm. And I think the next piece is when, when you do have some successes, you really got to take the time to celebrate that, to install that. Because the anxiety wants to come right back and take the space over. And you got to keep it aside. Like, wait a second. Like, can I just enjoy what just happened? Can I tell my partner a good job? Can I tell myself a good job? Hearing good job, the opposite of rejection is acceptance, right? It's mm -hmm. being wanted. So when we start to get that, to really try to stretch that out. Mm -hmm. Even like what you said, you know, telling your partner a good job or rather than the sense of, this was just a drop in the bucket of what you owe me. Just saying, hey, thank you. I appreciate that. Love it. Maybe even sometimes we still feel like it's a drop in the bucket. But, you know, our intention can be to change this dynamic between us and our partner. And so mm -hmm. thanking them and saying that was great. I felt so good. My body felt so good. You know? Yes. Gratitude. So important. You could focus on the drop instead of just what's missing right but mm -hmm. that drop is still pretty good that drop is in the present moment mm -hmm. right to appreciate to drop and then maybe 10 minutes afterwards you're going to go back who cares but try to stretch it to 11 minutes 12 minutes the more <laughs> your body gets it staying in that place of success the more safety that it's building yes Ooh, I like that, that yes that yes is growing in confidence you hear that everyone <laughs> Lori's brain's calming down and the yes is taking the spot. I right? love that it. That solid yes. I love it. And I think, you know, like you said, the breath, you know, maybe we are present and maybe we're present even in a moment that is not sexual because we've let go of the anxiety and okay, it's not just, it's not going to be a sexual moment and we're letting go. But, you know, being present in any moment with our partner is bonding mm -hmm. and connecting. You know, and oftentimes, you know, for a lot of people, they do stress. I want my partner to be with me, to be connected to me before I can get turned on. So mm -hmm. probably no harm done there if you're becoming present to whatever moment is in front of you with your partner. Yes. And the partner can help with this too, right? When they notice the stress and anxiety, you know, just to name it and give it permission. Mm -hmm. Like you could become that good soldier and just say, hey, honey, I can see you're stressed. Come here, let me rub your shoulders, right? It's okay to be stressed, right? <laughs> this has been a, a minefield for us, but I'm here right now. I want to be with you. Like that reassurance from the partner is also, you know, a, a nice little relief out for that anxiety. I also think, and you hit this one so hard when we're teaching, is that the validation, just even self-validation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I it makes a lot of sense that you would be stressed out and anxious about this. This has been a long dynamic and, you know, you have good reasons to experience anxiety and to let the anxiety push. I mean, because our partner can't say that to us, but we know what it's like on the inside to, you know, to feel anxiety that drives sex. And so just saying it to ourselves, like, yeah, I mean, of course you're going to be anxious. You know, yes. this... Just that validation, even if it's self-validation, it's a good thing. So there we go. Those four reasons to stop using anxiety. It makes it all about you. Mm -hmm. You really need to expand that and, and see the selfishness of what a yellow brain does. It's not your mm -hmm. fault, but we need to get out of that. The two, it creates an atmosphere of pressure, right? We definitely want to reduce that pressure. 
and be, being able to take ownership for the environment it starts to create is a good way of doing that. Three, it kills presence. You know, Lori's talking about how so many people sleepwalk. It's exactly what anxiety is doing. It mm-hmm. focuses on the future. And that last one is it, it breeds resentment, right? It focuses on the drop in the bucket instead of what is actually present in that moment. So we want to let go of that resentment. Yeah, and some of how we let go of it is we we honor the soldier, the part of us that is anxious, that serves us, that's looking for threat, looking for danger, and we can take a deep breath, come into the moment, be present even right now, and we yeah. can validate the part, the reasons, you know, for the soldier's efforts. And use the image you want. It could be a soldier, a police officer, a teacher, a coach, you know, your grandmother, who cares, have fun with it. But it's just a loving part of who you, that you have that's just a bit overprotective. And we just yeah. want some more flexibility. So we want you to be kind to yourself. Kind to yourself in that anxious place. Thanks for listening. Keep it hot, y'all. I would love to invite you. This is women only. But we are having a retreat in Asheville on November 10th through the 12th. And it's going to be a slumber party. And so we're going to like all stay together in the same cabin. It's a beautiful space. And we're going to have meals brought in and made. And and we know who the chef is. And so it's going to be wonderful. Maybe drink a little bit of wine if you'd like to. And we have kind of some talks and time to work together on your sexuality. So the whole goal of this women's sexuality retreat, the slumber party, is to basically enhance and develop yourself, your erotic self inside. So we're going to be talking about anatomy and physiology and sexual attachment. We're going to talk through blocks, you know, what stops us? What are the breaks against our sexual expression? And then what are our gas pedals? What are our turn-ons? How do we open up more sexually, like with enhanced sexual pleasure? And we're going to talk about orgasms and role play and using joys and fantasies and some stuff. And each night we're going to have a pajama party where we just relax and sit around and talk on the deck and hang out together. And and then on Sunday morning, we're going to set our focus and have concrete steps toward sexual engagement with our partners. Sounds pretty awesome, Lori. And all the men, don't worry about it. Maybe we'll have like a Spartan camp out somewhere, have a couple (laughs) beers and, you know, we'll do our own version of that someday. That would be great. So love to invite you. I will post it on foreplaysextherapy.com under resources. And there will be the retreat, the scheduling events, and you can link and figure out if you can make it with us on November 10th through the 12th in Asheville. Okay, so tell us about your cutting edge training that you're doing on success and vulnerability? Lori, we just keep pushing it, coming up with a new module on the playbook of a pursuer, playbook of a witcher, really practical moment by moment moves of what a therapist can use. And we're so focused on what's happening in session. Enough there's talk about theories and these global things. We, I think most therapists are looking for, what do I do in this moment? 
give me a tool, George. So that's what we're trying to do. That's awesome. I am so glad you guys are doing this work. I think it helps us be organized to see you do it. You do demos, you do explanations, teaching. It really is interactive. And I think that so many trainings that we sit through don't give us an opportunity for that. So what you're doing is really important. No, we try to emphasize the teach it, show it, do it model of learning. You need to have some ideas, so we try to teach those. And then we try to show what it looks like implementing those ideas. But most importantly, you now got to practice it. That's how they become yours. And that's what we want our our listeners and watchers to do is become their own moves. Find George and his teaching at successandvulnerability.com. Call in your questions to the 4Play Question Voicemail. Dial 833-MY-4PLAY. That's 833-MY-4PLAY. And we'll use the questions for our mailbag episodes. All content is for entertainment purposes only and should not be considered as a substitute for therapy by a licensed clinician or as medical advice from a doctor. This podcast is copyrighted by 4Play Media. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.